This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. Alrighty, welcome back to Brojo Online. Look, over the last year or so, I've become absolutely fascinated with religion. And moving slowly from originally a very uh, stern, uh, strict position of no religion whatsoever towards trying to understand the reality of the situation, the reality of what it's like to have faith, and how this can function in the real world. One of the things that I've been really observing is people like the the Four Horsemen, you know, Sam Harris, Hitchens, all those guys, having arguments with top religious scholars and leaders, and what I'm seeing is a, is a common theme. This combative style of argument that does not move people of faith. While it brings together atheists and allows those who are on the fence to kind of find the strength to quit their church and move on, those who are deeply faithful are really unmoved by these kinds of arguments. And I want to have a look at why. So today I'm going to talk about, what have I got? I think I've got seven points I'm going to make as to why I believe atheist arguments do not move people of faith. So there's a few questions. Why do anti-theist speakers or anti-religious speakers struggle to convince their opponents? Why has science failed to eradicate any non-rational belief systems? Why are the Bible and the Quran essentially unchanged by scientific discoveries? And how can you debate towards a healthy outcome when it's a religious person with a non-religious person or an atheist? Now before I get into the seven points as to why I think this whole argument isn't working very well, we're going to start by having a look at what religion is, look back to the origin of it. And I think no one, in my opinion, has done that better than Yuval Harari the author of Sapiens and Homo Deus. Essentially what he's identified as religion was the natural outcome of a need for human beings to come to a common agreement so that we could cooperate in large groups. Now before religion, human beings essentially survived in very small tribes or hunter-gatherer type packs. For us to be able to cooperate uh, on a country level, on a global level, we weren't able to do that face-to-face. We weren't able to build those relationships like you do in a village or, or a tribal, uh, whatever you call it, you know, or your little troop. You need more than that. Because once once groups start to get above a certain size, usually it's about 150 relationships that any one human being can keep track of, both between themselves and between other people. You know, once we get above that number, we find it very difficult to connect. You know, we're kind of maxed out, and we tend to get quite tribal and, and, and kind of uncooperative. But religion was essentially the end product of, of an unconscious search by human beings to find a way to get along in great numbers. You know, human beings are not actually particularly intelligent or particularly fast or strong. There's no reason why we should be the top of the food chain based on an individual analysis of a single human being. And before religion, we weren't top of the food chain. Okay, Before faith in gods and stuff, we were 
in the middle of the pack. We got eaten and we ate, you know. It was religion that allowed us to band together in groups of hundreds and thousands and work towards a single purpose to make us absolutely undefeatable by other species who are incapable of doing this. Even even fish and other animals that can get together in large pods, they can cooperate in the sense that they can stay together as a large pack, but they can't achieve any greater purpose. Us humans, we're allowed to, we, we have politics and religion, we're able to get into a large, very large group uh, and, and achieve outcomes. There are other primates that can do this, baboons, chimpanzees to a smaller extent. There's some groups that can get into large communities, but then they don't have the kind of ability that we have to strive towards a purpose. They still haven't found religion. Right? And for that reason, all they can do is sort of eat and hunt together, and they're never going to be a threat as, you know, top of the food chain. So religion is just simply the end solution to a problem. How do we get along in a big group? You know, millions of Christians, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus around the world, they can unite instantly with a complete stranger based on a single book. You know, just on an identification of a shared religion. They can go from strangers to helping each other without any real interaction taking place, without any deep communication or connection. You know, a Christian will help out his Christian neighbor because they're both Christians. He doesn't need any more than that to do it. That's what religion does, and we have to give recognition to the strength of religion to do that. Because as of yet, we've found very little else that's able to create that effect. And different factions are allowed to develop within each religion as long as the book doesn't change. There's so many different types of Christianity. I think it's in the thousands now, the different factions. Even a single church can be its own little group. But they all got the one book, the one Bible. And so they can even split and splinter and even war with each other. But if for some reason it was Christianity versus everything else, they would unite instantaneously. The same with Islam and other great beliefs. Now, religion is like money. Everyone around the world will accept US dollars. We've just come to an agreement of value. And, and that's how religion functions as well. You go around wearing a cross on your neck. Everybody who's a Christian will accept that that cross comes with a certain value, a certain understanding. It, you won't be questioned on it. You know, and it allows you to, to create a community globally or internationally at least. And it's like the law. I mean, everybody in the United States, for example, expects to be arrested if they get caught murdering someone. You know, they didn't decide that rule. They're just born into it. And it allows us to keep the murder rate down. And we, can, we can reasonably assume if murder was legal, there would be a lot more of it. The legal ramifications of murder almost certainly have prevented many of them from taking place. Same with theft and some other ones. Sure, there are a lot of crimes, but there's a lot of people who didn't commit crimes simply because it was illegal. Religion functions a bit like that. There are some people who do not do harmful behaviors because it's considered sinful. Now, of course, the argument against religion is that some people do harmful behaviors because it's considered righteous. And we'll have a look at that today. But essentially, I'm just pointing out how religion is similar to money. It's similar to law. It's these belief systems that we all agree upon without any rational evidence to agree upon them. 
There's no rational reasoning why humans shouldn't murder each other, in the sense that if the world is overpopulated, we could do with a few less humans. But we all came to an agreement not to do it. There's no essential value in a $20 bill. It's just a waxy piece of paper. There's very little you can do with it, but we all agree it's worth $20. And you can purchase $20 worth of other stuff with that waxy piece of paper. Religion functions like that. It's an agreement of morality and purpose and community. So I want to point out before we go into this that religion was necessary for civilization to come into being. We couldn't, or at least we didn't, find a better way to come together as a group. If it weren't for religion, it's reasonable to assume that we'd still be middle of the food chain in small troops and tribes and packs, no larger than 10 or 12 per, and we would just basically be living off the land like any other mammal, which actually sounds pretty awesome, and I'm kind of gutted that we didn't go that way. So when you consider the idea that money is essentially a faith-based belief, there's no proof that a, a dollar is worth anything, but we give it value without even needing that evidence, then we can argue that religion appears to be a necessary part of bringing us together in groups. Now, I'm not saying it's good that we're brought together in these large groups, but the way the human being functions, we cannot cooperate at such numbers without a shared belief system, without believing in something on faith. Okay. Now, maybe the next evolution of man is to be able to cooperate based on reason and science and evidence but let's talk about the argument for this and the argument against religion and why that's not working very well right now so seven issues issue number one atheists almost exclusively like to argue about facts and content there's nothing an atheist debater likes to do more than to point out where the Bible or the Quran is factually incorrect. The thing is, any religious faith falls apart under scientific scrutiny. Almost anything from Hinduism to Buddhism to Islam, Christianity, there's miracles, there's all these things that just can't happen in terms of scientific reasoning, laws of physics, etc. So it's, it's not difficult to pull apart a religion with scientific scrutiny. Okay, And yet, we still have the story of Noah's Ark, completely unedited. There is no fucking way that Noah's Ark could happen. right? I think the boat would need to be the size of Manhattan or something, and even if he was 600 years old, which is impossible, he would need to live a lot longer to build a boat that big, and there's so many millions of species of animals that they all would have eaten each other and so on. It's just not possible, and yet... No amount of scientific discovery about new animals or about carpentry or anything has edited a single word of Noah's Ark, Noah's Ark's story in the Bible. Faith is an emotional belief, not a rational one. You are not going to change an emotional belief with facts and logic. Sounds weird, but each of us is the same in this, re in this uh, concept. No matter how atheist you are, if you're emotionally attached to something, I will not be able to argue you out of it. Okay, not until we've dealt with the emotional attachment. I know this as a coach, I'd say a large, well, probably about 50% or more of my clients are atheist. And if they're emotional about something, facts don't do shit to them. Okay, because it's a human thing to be unmoved by facts when you're emotional. Or to have emotional beliefs, beliefs that were formed on how you felt. 
you know, are not going to be changed by information. They're going to be changed by changing how you feel or attaching that feeling to something else. I mean, you can just try it. If you've got a partner right now, go and try and convince her to do something good for herself that she doesn't want to do while she's upset with you. Go on, give it a try. See how you go. Try to convince someone to calm down. See how that works out. No matter how much great reasoning you give, you won't move them. Because once they're in that limbic system, once somebody is in the emotional part of the brain, once we're talking about connections and emotional memory and feeling, facts, reasoning, cause and effect, they don't give a fuck about these things at that state. None of us do. So one of the problems with arguing facts and content with religious people is you're missing the point. They didn't get into this because of the facts. They got into this because of how they feel. The love and the hate. The pride and the guilt. The sense of connection and the fear of ostracism. There's emotional reasons that they're part of the church. That they read the Bible. That they pray to an invisible God. They're not doing it based on a factual reasoning logic. Okay, They didn't come to this conclusion by working backwards to discover a cause and effect pathway. They went towards it from scratch. And they first went to church and went to Sunday school and their best friends were there and they loved going there. That's a feeling. When mum told them off and said, God will punish you if you do that, that's a feeling, that's guilt. These beliefs were formed on feelings. Okay. So the argument with religion is not about facts, it's about really about whether or not religion is the best source of those feelings that they want. Loving sensations, hope, purpose, connection, all those feelings that they're getting from religion. You take a religion away, you're taking away those feelings. That's why they fight back so hard. Those facts are a threat to those feelings. That's why they don't listen to them. You need to go and meet them at the place that they're at. Issue number two. Quite often, in a very uh, arrogant way, atheists will equate religious belief with lack of intelligence or lack of reasoning capability. They'll basically say, if you're religious, you are stupid. Not only is this incorrect and hypocritical, which we'll talk about soon, but insults create enemies. Enemies band together against common enemies. And enemies don't take advice from their enemies. So if you become the person who's against them, you just reduce the likelihood of them listening to you by like 99%. Okay, you're not going to take advice from your enemy. You're not going to listen to someone who calls you a fucking idiot, right? So why would you expect them to move or listen to you when that's the intention you're bringing in, right? When they can feel that you judge them and that you think of them as stupid. On lack of evidence, by the way. You know, you might be looking at a guy, as soon as you hear he's Christian, you're like, oh, what an idiot. You don't know he's an idiot. He could have double your IQ. But that's a judgment you've made. So that's actually a faith-based belief you just made. Some of the earliest scientific discoveries were made by priests and monks and mullahs. There was a time where almost nobody was not religious. Where do you think science came from? A lot of it didn't come from the original atheists. It came from people of faith. Islam used to, you know, original Islam, as far as I understand, was a temple of science and learning. You know, the Christian leaders were some of the first to study the cosmos empirically. They're not stupid. They, they made the breakthroughs in the name of God, but they made those breakthroughs. 
There are people, if you want to look at the darker side, there are people who run churches. They can convince people of miracles without any proof. You know, they can convince people to give up their hard-earned cash based on a book with no evidence. I mean, that shows some sort of cunning and cleverness, right? They can't be that thick. You've got to treat anyone you argue with, with respect. There are plenty of stupid atheists too. I'll talk about that soon. If you go into it assuming somebody as religious is less intelligent than you, you've kind of already lost the argument. Because if they feel that judgment, they're going to see you as the enemy. And their friends will see you as the enemy and they'll band together. You'll actually strengthen their religious connection, not weaken it. Which kind of defeats the purpose of your argument, no? Issue number three, and this is related, an underlying intention to eradicate religion completely, to become its enemy, to be its executioner. These intentions bleed through, I see this a lot in debates. Sam Harris is famous for saying the true horror of religion is that it causes otherwise sane people to believe by the billions what only lunatics can believe on their own. If you read between the lines, what he's saying is, eliminate all religion. I know that sounds like a bit of a straw man, but if you get familiar with Sam Harris, and I fucking love him, and I pay attention to a lot of his stuff, he's really not open to there even being a bit of religion, other than like Jainism or some of the kind of lesser faiths. It's almost certain that were he presented with a button that he could push and it would eliminate all Islamic belief, he would push that button. I mean, he wrote a book, Spirituality Without Faith. He's trying to provide a complete alternative to eliminate the original. You know, Christopher Hitchens is similar. He's got a very famous speech where he's... I think he was asked why he combats religion, why he made that kind of his main piece of work. In his words, he's absolutely convinced, as he says, that it's the root cause of all evil, or words to that effect. I mean... To come at something that way is to say, I'm here to kill it. I'm here to do as much damage to it as possible. Now, how do people react when you threaten them like that? With open-mindedness and reason and logic and curiosity? No, they react with defense or aggression. So when you're trying to argue against someone and you're saying, I'm here to kill you, they're not going to sit down and have a good listen, right? They're going to get their shield and their sword out. As religion is, you know, notorious for. They've never reacted well to heresy, right? Now, it doesn't mean you should back down, but what it does mean is you have to be, if you really want a reasonable conclusion to this, if you want the end result to be more peace and less suffering, then you're going to have to create some wiggle room in your mind for some aspect of religion to survive. Fact is, all these atheists are still using money and believing in countries and passports, and that's all faith, and we'll talk about that soon. You're going to have some spirituality with faith. The human race seems at this point uh, to be unable to let go of it, so if you come in to kill it, people are going to react to that with defense. You're attacking their friends, you're attacking their family, their way of life, their community, their deepest beliefs, their identity. How do you think they're going to react? You've got to come at it a different way if you want the outcome that you're going for. If you want a peaceful solution to this, you can't come in with a war. Okay, You can't come in to kill, you must come in to educate. 
to improve, to enhance, not to eradicate. Issue number four, lack of replacement, particularly for community. At this stage, and this is a movable point, science does not yet provide a communal harmony structure, such as morality, to replace or to better replace what religion offers. Right? There's, there's no mathematics textbook in the world that helps me choose how to live my life better. Now, there's currently in the works from people like Sam Harris, there are currently you know, people trying to find a way to define morality without referring to any faith. But at the moment, there really isn't anything that doesn't require at least a subjective if-then statement. You know, even Sam Harris, his, his moral landscape is based on the idea that human well-being is the outcome that we desire. Now, that's an agreement we have to come through. That's faith. That's religion. There is no objective evidence to state that human well-being is a good idea. You know, we just have to decide that it is, and that's a very selfish decision as a human. So, the key here is the community thing. Most people, I believe, their, their, their true attachment to their faith is really attachment to the faith community. You know, to having people, who a clear structure of, of hierarchy, to having people who will accept you and welcome them, you know, welcome you into their home and take care of you based solely on what you believe in. You know, to be there for you through the hard times, to give you guidance through difficult decisions. Before science can eradicate religion, it must be able to replace it. Replace that, and it hasn't done so, so far. So what's your better offer? How can someone find purpose and morality without a book of guidance and without spiritual elders? You know, at the moment, science is just an instead of offer. It's not a better offer. So instead of believing this, you can just not believe stuff and try to find your own way. Even atheists themselves, they can say, you know, I'm an atheist and I can talk about where my morals come from. But even I struggle to point out how this could be made into a group without it getting off track, without it becoming religious, right? Brojo, for example, the community I run, we have our core values. One of our values is, you know, you make up your core values, right? You don't just follow ours blindly because that would be faith. You've got to decide for yourself. And automatically that negates the ability for this to be a really strongly harmonious community. There will have to be dissent and disagreement for someone to have their own values that conflict with Brojo's. So how can you show people to use the Bible more effectively than just having blind faith, rather than trying to eradicate the Bible? There are many religious people out there who don't cause any harm whatsoever. They've found a way to live with a sort of moral code that I'm sure most atheists would be cool with, so why not build on that? Why not try to figure out how to replicate that rather than to eradicate the thing that they built that on? You can't say something needs to stop without providing an alternative. That's just complaining. Complaining is useless. You know, you've got to remember the emotionality of this belief. They need something. They need to feel something. You need to provide something that feels as good as or better than being religious. Okay. I mean, atheists, you believe that you are real. That's faith. There's no objective proof that your life isn't one big hallucination. You're just kind of hoping it isn't, right? So you understand faith. You understand that if someone's going to take something like that away from you, if, if some neuroscientist is going to come along and take away your belief that you really are a person and that what you think is real is real, 
they better be able to provide something more understandable that relieves you of the pain of losing that reality. You know, I watched a TED talk where uh, the neuroscience guy was basically proving <laughs> that our whole conscious experience is a hallucination. Our brain just interprets signals and creates like a living movie inside our minds, but we don't know what is setting off those signals. We don't know what objective reality is, what it looks like, what it smells like. It may not even have a smell. It may be just lines of computer-like code that we just turn into a reality that we see and feel and hear. And, and you know, I felt affronted when I watched that video. It was very well put. He was making good facts. But I'm like, no, I don't want to believe that. I'm not even seeing reality. I don't want that taken away from me. I don't want to not know what's out there. And I got it. I understand why someone of faith doesn't want you to take that away and leave nothing in its place. So before you go arguing against religion, ask yourself, what can I do? What's my better offer? Right? What's something that will give them more moral guidance and more community and more purpose and more hope and more love than what they get from religion? Because if you can't beat it, then why would they want to buy it? Issue number five, denying strengths. There's a new argument technique I learned about called steel man. So you've got the straw man, which is you falsely represent somebody's position and attack it. But steel man is where you actually basically give them credit for what you agree with. And I see almost none of this in religious debates. And yet there are a lot of strengths within nearly any religion you look at, okay? I mean, we've got to remember, religion brought us civility. The reason we all get along in massive groups right now is because of religion and nothing else. Really. It's the main difference between us and other animals, is essentially the community that was formed by religion. Most of the commandments in the Bible and the Quran are pretty workable. Not all of them. Some of them are horrific. Some of them need some flexibility. But, you know, thou shall not kill. That's not bad. Don't steal, whatever the fuck they are. Those are workable. There's many inspirational stories of giving, compassion, strength in, in those books and many other religions. Buddhism. I get a lot of great stuff from Buddhism. So they aren't all shit. And yet when you hear most atheist scholars, I guess you call them, debating against religion... Even if they do acknowledge that there may be some good in it, they bypass this very quickly and just go to the idea, look, if people fly planes into buildings because of religion, then the whole religion sucks. End of story. Now, this is a poor argument technique because, again, your opponent, you're not steel-manning. He's going to be like, okay, you don't recognize anything good about what I'm saying, so fuck you. And all of his supporters will feel the same way. Like, you're just pointing out the bad stuff. One of the things we know from, oh God, I, I struggle to cite the study, but strength-based practice in, in psychology is becoming very popular because essentially people respond a lot better to being encouraged than they do to being punished. You know, I remember learning about this thing when I was a manager. For every one piece of critical feedback you give someone, you better give them five pieces of positive feedback or otherwise they're going to feel it's unbalanced. So if you want somebody to really listen to you, about your critique of the Bible, you better be able to say some good stuff about it. You know, that's good, that's good, that bit sucks. You know, that bit about being nice to your neighbor, not bad. That bit about slavery, that's not good. We need to ditch that. 
You know, the bit about Noah's Ark, I like the idea of saving all the animals, but let's just kind of tidy up the facts a little bit, make this a little bit more realistic. You know, work with it rather than just fully against it. Because if you deny anything good just to avoid looking weak, just to avoid taking a back step, you appear to be biased because you are biased. There are good things, right? But whatever moral standard you have, you'll be able to find something you agree with in almost any religious doctrine. Now, you might have to pull it out of context, or you might have to separate it from other parts of the book, but there's no reason that that's bad. And if you say the whole thing's bad, then people are automatically going to say, no, it isn't. That's going to be the first counter-argument, and they'll be fair to say that. How do you eliminate that argument? By firstly acknowledging all of the stuff that they also believe is good, and then you attack the weak points. So you go, well, at least he's read the whole thing, like he gets it, and he's just pointing out some things that actually, frankly, in my heart of hearts, I'm not so keen on myself. You know? Finding a place with them rather than against them. So instead of saying stop, you can actually find out what they're doing well and say, why can't you do it more like that? And build on the strengths. You know, there there are so many Muslims out there who will never fly a plane into a building. They'll never put on a suicide vest, right? They're never going to do it, no matter who tells them to. What do they know that the other ones don't, that the extremists don't? There are Christians out there who would never throw a rock at a woman who is going to get an abortion. They'd never do it. I've got Christian friends who don't wait till they're married to have sex and they swear and curse and they have a good time. They've found a functional way to be Christian. Right? They don't do any major harm. They just live their lives. They're indistinguishable from atheists. It's just every now and then they pop off to the church and, you know, before a big flight or something, say a few words to a person you can't see. i got no problem with that. There's no harm in that. So why can't we take what they're doing and extrapolate that out rather than trying to eliminate what they're doing? Because this is about being realistic. You're not going to get rid of all religion because there are a lot of good bits. And that's why people love it, okay? Not all Christians want to keep a slave. But if you keep attacking the whole book, they'll keep the whole book. Issue number six. There's a blurring of the lines between religion as a concept and harmful behaviors done in the name of God. So quite often when somebody does a harmful act in the name of God, in the name of religion, we say religion did it. We lose sight of the fact that, no, actually that dude did that. That cunt did that. You know, Osama bin Laden and his henchmen organizing the 9-11 attacks, each one of those people were the ones who did that. Most of Islam were not on those planes or not even involved in the planning. So to say that religion caused it is starting to blur the lines. Everybody can be an asshole. They just need a good reason. Religion's just one of many possible reasons to be a prick. Okay. Yes, of course some good people will do harm in the name of God that they wouldn't have otherwise done. But they also do harmful things in the name of money, or in the name of their country, or the name of faiths that aren't religious, right? I mean, the Nazis did it for purity of race. There's no such thing as purity of race. Any genealogical, biological scientist will show you that we all basically came from Africa. So that's a faith thing that they're doing there, but it's not a religion. You can be horrific without it specifically being religious. And you can be awesome while being religious. It's not a cause and effect relationship. And I did see a study that I'll I'll hopefully cite in the notes 
It's only one study, so I don't know how valid it is, but it says there's no correlation between religious belief and propensity for violence. You're not more likely to be violent if you're religious than you are as an atheist. Humans are humans. If they want to hurt someone, they'll find a fucking reason to do it. After seven years of working in criminal corrections, I've heard every reason. Weirdly enough, and this is anecdotal of course, in my experience, God was very rarely the reason. Revenge, because I couldn't help it, because I was on drugs, because I was raised that way. There was all sorts of reasons why somebody went out and just did a shitty thing. There are also bad people who do good in the name of religion. There's a weird thing that really struggled, you know, it made me struggle with my anti-religious stance, was seeing otherwise awful people behave very well when they became reformed Christians, right? You know, these guys are just awful, and they were still kind of assholes at the core, but they stopped doing bad things because they didn't want to break the rules of the book. You know, they'd found God, and they didn't want to get into trouble. And I really, and no psychologist who had ever worked with them had got through to them, no prison uh, rehabilitation program had ever made a dent. It was only religion that did it. And frankly, until we find something that works better, I'm happy with that. Like, if that stops them murdering and raping and beating up their partners, and nothing else we do stops them, fuck it, let them have that. People flew planes into buildings because of hatred, not because of religion. Anders Breivik, you know, he shot all those kids. He did that out of anti-immigration white power policies, not religion. Hate is what drives people to do harmful things, to do the most horrific things. Hate and pain and insecurity and mental illness. Religion is just one umbrella you can do all that stuff under. You can also do it under the umbrella of money, family, nationality. You just need a reason. To pull religion apart and say, that's a worse one than the others, it's a fall- it's fallacious reasoning. People doing shitty things is the shitty thing to deal with, okay? Whatever reason they give to it is almost irrelevant. Hating religion doesn't remo- reduce the amount of hatred in the world. If harmful behavior is indeed sourced from hatred, then let- let's not add to that. Let's lead by example. All those people who do hateful things in the name of religion... Let's show them what doing awesome things in the name of nothing looks like. You know, let's shame their behavior by being role models rather than pissing on the one thing they believe in. Issue number seven, hypocrisy. Atheists clearly follow many faith-based beliefs like money and countries, which I've already mentioned. You know, one of the biggest ones I have a problem with is humanism. I was just, I I couldn't even get through the book... um, by Steven Pinker, Humanism, Enlightenment, I can't remember what it was called, Enlightenment, I think. It talks about humanism and reason and logic. But the idea that what helps the survival of humans is inherently good. I don't agree with that at all. Not if you're any other species on this planet. Not if you're a factory farm animal, you know. Not if you're a fucking wildlife forest. Right? What's good for humans is often quite awful for other living species on this planet. And atheists clearly believe often in humanism. This idea that humans are somehow the best. That's actually quite a religious belief. There's no objective evidence to say that we have more value than other animals. And by all measures of well-being, you can really argue that humans are worse than other animals. 
in terms of equilibrium and damage to the environment and uh, extinction of other species. So if you're an atheist and you believe in humanism, you're a person of faith. If you're an atheist and you believe that money has value, you hold a dollar in your hand and you think that's worth a dollar, you have faith. If you believe that when you cross the border from one country to another, you've gone from one place to a different place, you have faith. So surely you have some understanding of religion because you're religious. Governments, right? Governments lead to all sorts of atrocities. Belief in governments leads to all sorts of, of atrocities. You know, Nazi Germany is essentially people following directions from the government. Well, governments aren't real. It's just a group of people saying they're a group, right? They have no real power. They're, they're not inherently better human beings. They're not a more powerful species. There's a group of people who said, we're the leaders now. You know, we wear the swastika on our arms, so that means we're all together. That's all just belief. There's no objective proof that they're actually a group of any kind. And that led to all sorts of shitty things. So, the idea that, that being an atheist somehow makes you more rational, more reasonable than religious people, is a fallacy. You know, there are a lot of atheists that believe that genetically modified organisms are bad. That's unscientific. Or they're anti-vaccines. That's unscientific. Or they deny climate change, or that humans contribute to climate change. That's unscientific. Being atheist doesn't guarantee that you're intelligent. It's just a claim to not believe in a god. That's it. That doesn't give you any further claim or rights. So you've got to admit fault when you're arguing. Like I said, I'm anti-theist. I really believe that there's a better solution to morality than organized religion. But I'm not going to pretend that I'm fucking smart, you know? I'm not going to pretend that I, I've got better ideas. Right? Nothing I've invented has been more successful than religion. So clearly I don't. You know, and I've got to admit these faults. I've got to admit, like, I believe in money and countries somewhat, even though it's a complete myth. I believe that because I pay money to stay in this apartment, that it's somehow mine. I don't own it at all. Anybody could kick me out of this fucking place. It's all faith, these beliefs. There's no objective evidence for anything. You know, Jordan Peterson's great with this. You know, he's one of the few people who can argue well and go, look, I don't know everything. You know, Sam Harris is another one. I remember his famous uh, argument with Deepak Chopra. Where he says, look, you know, I don't know quantum mechanics. I won't argue for quantum mechanics. We've got to admit fault when we're arguing. We've got to admit, like, hey, I think your religion is wrong, but I also have faith. I also believe in things without evidence. I also believe in things that cannot objectively be proven. So we're all in this together. I've really got to emphasize, I don't know, it might sound like I was pro-religion or something in this, but I'm not. I'm, I'm anti-faith. I really think, I'd really think humans would do a lot better if we worked with objective, truthful evidence. You know, if we worked with scientific findings and logic and empiricism. When it comes to coming up with reasoning and, and, and law, morals, principles, crime and punishment, education, all of these things I think would be better guided by science than they are by religion. But we've got to work together on this. I think it's going to end up being a combination. A kind of spiritual reasoning that is, allowed, you know, subjectivity of morality combined with an objectivity of fact. Not a war between the two, because no one's winning that fucking war. Look how mental this whole situation's getting. We're about to exterminate all life on this planet if we don't sort this shit out. Right? We're still having wars over it. 
If you want someone to move on from superstition and faith, you got to give them something that feels even better to believe in. Like Brojo. So come and join us. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Thank you for listening. I'm really, really open to feedback and commentary on this. I want this to somehow get to a conclusion that everybody benefits from, all living beings on this planet. I kind of, I think it sucks that humans might be the one to end everything, you know? We might be the only planet that has life on it. It's the only one we know of. And us bickering over these issues is actually one of the main problems. But we don't have to fight. We can come to an agreement. So hopefully this kind of reasoning will get to somebody and spread out. Let me know your thoughts. Thank you again for listening. Catch you next time.